This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 297. In today's episode, woman who faked snow leopard photos stole the photographs from a French photographer, and another photographer loses a court case after someone else steals their work, and more. So let's head on over to Petapixel and see what they have for us this week. <laughs> Woman who faked snow leopard photos stole picture from French photographer. Fake snow leopard photographer Kitya Pulaski has been decidedly outed after it was revealed that the images she claimed were hers were actually taken by a French wildlife photographer. Alpine Mag has revealed that Pulaski took Sylvia, uh, Sylvain Cordier's photos of snow leopards he shot in Man Mongolia and composited them into her own images, before claiming that she took them. Cordier tells Petapixel that the case is incredible. Quote, the end result of Kitya's photos is very artistic. One cannot deny the creation, but on the other hand, one must denounce the usurpation of the text and the theft of the images, in particular of mine, for the panther seen at the closest, he says. Almost everything is fake and theft is punishable. Cordier tells Alpine Mag that he is almost completely certain that the photo is his. Quote, she has played about a bit with the spots. She has taken the underside of my leopard's belly and put it on the leopard on the left, he says. Quote, in any case, seeing my photo next to hers, especially when I turn it, I'm 99.9% .9 sure it's mine. The photo was discovered on the stock photography website Hemis, where it's listed as being taken in the Altai, Altai Mountains in Western Mongolia in 2019. Hemis confirmed to Alpine Mag that Pulaski did not license or request permission to use Cordier's photo. Earlier this month, Pulaski insisted to Petapixel that she did photograph snow leopards in the Himalayas. Quote, yes, outside Gorik Shep, not in the village, about one to two hour walk northeastward, she said, when asked if she saw the elusive big cats with her own eyes. Pulaski has been issuing DMCA takedowns on Google, claiming copyright ownership of the snow leopard images. Specifically, she has been targeting Alpine Mag, which has done stellar work exposing her lies. The French magazine, which focuses on mountaineering news, delivered further into Pulaski's past, or delved further into Pulaski's past, and discovered that she has stolen other people's work before. In 2020, she won the top prize in the Chromatic Awards Culture category for an image of a tree in Thailand that she apparently found on Shutterstock. Like the snow leopard, she mislabeled the location the original photo was taken in. Petapixel reached out to Pulaski about further allegations, but she did not respond ahead of publication. She has previously said that, quote, the story behind this series is true. All the images are taken by me. She went on to claim that a photographer reserves the right to manipula manipulate their own images however they see fit. Quote, a photographer should be able to manipulate a photograph any way he or she wants without anyone going berserk, she says. 
Quote, all magazines edit their models, changing their bone structure, skin, hair, teeth. Why am I the only one that is required to provide raw images when I'm not even a journalist? Based on this new information, it appears that she is unable to provide the raws because they belong to someone else. Quote, I hope that this will serve as a lesson for Kitya or others who might be tempted to do the same, adds Cordier. And this is a crazy story. And there's been more and more theft of other people's photographs been going on the last few years in the world. And it's just absolutely insane how a person thinks they can steal somebody else's hard artistic work and then try to pass it off as their own and profit from it. It's just insane. Photographer loses plagiarism case against artists who ripped off her work. A court has ruled that an artist accused of copying photographer's work did not commit plagiarism. United States-based photographer Jinga Zhang brought the case to judges at a court in Luxembourg who found that Zhang's original photo did not meet the criteria to fall under Luxembourgish or European copyright law. Fine art painter Jeff Deichberg, who is from Luxembourg, was accused of copying one of Zhang's photos, a situation which came to light after Deutschberg won the 11th Biennial of Contemporary Art Award and received 1,500 euros or $1,576. Zhang shot the original photo for Harper's Bazaar Vietnam in 2017. The side-by-side comparison of the two images is striking, and Deutschberg admits that as a figurative painter, he needs reference materials. Zhang took to social media to say that the basis of the Luxembourg court's ruling was that the model's pose in my photo is not unique. Deutschberg's painting has been exhibited at the Commune de Strassen in Luxembourg and displayed for sale with a 6,500 euro or 6,829 U.S. dollar asking price. Quote, I am devastated by the copyright ruling in Luxembourg today, which stated that my work lacks originality and therefore will not receive copyright protection in Luxembourg, she says. Zhang questions how the copyright of a photo can be based on a pose alone. Quote, if having a unique pose is the premise for copyright protection of an image, then nearly all portrait works in the world will not have copyright protection, she adds. Quote, the fact that my work has been copied by others countless times is a testament to its originality and style, including in this particular case, where it's been exploited by a violator for a painting that won an award, exhibited, and was offered for sale for 6,500 euros. For his part, Deichberg told L'Essentiel that his artwork was carried out within the frameworks of his studi- er, studies. Quote, a painter can appropriate a material and transpose it into another context. I defend the principle of mimicry. It's a common artistic strategy. I am, I am still a student. I need references to transcribe the world around me. Zhang criticizes the Luxembourgish ruling, saying she... Uh, which she says will allow anyone in the small Western country to freely and openly exploit, sell, license, and use my work without permission or respect for my rights. Quote, the worst part is that the ramification not only affects my own work, but sets a dangerous precedent that extends to all photographers and artists whose portraits are now under threat of losing copyright protection. Quote, I will be appealing this decision as as it is now not only an injustice for myself, but a worrying danger for the entire art 
and photography community, both in Luxembourg and beyond. And I don't blame her. I think it's kind of insane that a Luxembourg court would claim that she doesn't have any copyright protections just because the portrait, uh, the person in the portrait's pose is kind of a generic pose. That's one of the craziest rulings I've personally ever heard of in a photography-related court case. Photographer captures magical moment Mars emerges from behind the moon. Astrophotographer Andrew McCarthy captured Mars rising behind the full moon, which temporarily eclipsed the red planet in the night sky on Wednesday. McCarthy tells Petapixel that he had been monitoring the rare celestial event over the course of 2022 so he could get fantastic images of Mars peeking out from behind the moon. Quote, I had to start by learning more about planetary planetary photography, so I spent the summer shooting planets every night to learn all the best tricks, he says. Quote, I also needed a better telescope than what I had, so I found one in Los Angeles and picked it up a few weeks ago. Aside from a new telescope, McCarthy also needed a new camera. Quote, the reason for that is the moon moves so fast relative to Mars that I only have a brief window to capture it in a specific spot, so traditional time frames for capturing no longer apply. In fact, I had to limit my capture to only 10 seconds, otherwise the motion of Mars would blur the image. None of my equipment could handle doing that in a way that would produce the type of results I wanted. Known as lunar occultation, Wednesday's celestial event was partially noteworthy because Earth was directly between Mars and the Sun, known as opposition, making the red planet appear particularly bright in the night sky. Quote, this event happened while Mars was relatively low on the horizon, which means I'd be seeing it through more atmosphere, added McCarthy. Quote, to help combat local ground-based air currents fuzzing the image, I set up my telescope next to my pool. There's a picture on my Twitter, if you want to see it, which stabilized the air when pointing over it. McCarthy was operating four telescopes as a backup in case anything went wrong, but his main one was a 14-inch Dobsonian uh, that was tracking the spot on the moon when where Mars would appear from. The final image is a mosaic, as the field of view was quite small, See above video. After the event, I panned my telescope around to fill in the areas of the moon I wanted to include in the final photo. More of McCarthy's work can be found on his Instagram, Twitter, and website. Now, I think this is absolutely amazing. I've never done a lot of astrophotography myself. Sure, I've done occasional photos of the moon with long telephoto lenses, but I've never tried actual astrophotography. And what he captured here is absolutely beautiful. And I commend him for his skills in pulling off such a beautiful shot. Now, I'm going to take a break right here, and then we'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now back to the show. And we're back. 
Meghan Markle says paparazzi placed live streaming camera in her backyard. Meghan Markle says the paparazzi paid her neighbors to put a live stream camera into her backyard. Markle made the claim in the second episode of the new Netflix docuseries, Harry and Meghan, which aired on Thursday. In the documentary, Markle describes how her life changed after news broke about her relationship with Prince Harry in October of 2016. Markle says that photographers began hounding her in Toronto, Canada, where the former actress was filming the television series Suits at the time. Quote, it felt like all of the UK media descended upon Toronto, she explains. Markle then alleges that her neighbors accepted money from photographers in exchange for installing a live stream camera that would film directly into her backyard. Markle says, then my neighbors text me saying, they're the paparazzi knocking on everyone's door. They are trying to find you. Quote, they had paid certain neighbors to put a live stream camera into my backyard. Markle says the intrusion of paparazzi negatively impacted her life. Suddenly, it was like everything about my life was just getting so much more insular, Markle says. All the curtains were pulled and the blinds were pulled. It was scary. My house wasn't just surrounded, she adds, just men sitting in their cars all the time waiting for me to do anything. Markle says she reported the photographers to the police. However, the cops were unable to take action against the paparazzi as she was dating Prince Harry, who was a public figure. She recalls, quote, I would say to the police, if any other woman in Toronto said to you, I have six grown men who are sleeping in their cars around my house who follow me everywhere that I go and I feel scared. Wouldn't you say that it was stalking? Quote, and they said, yes, but there's really nothing we can do because of who you're dating. I was like, so I'm just supposed to live like this. Petapixel previously reported on how photographers had taken to social media to call out the misleading images that were used to depict them, pick them in the trailer for the Netflix show. Photographers quickly pointed out that several videos that show them supposedly taking invasive pictures of the couple were in fact clips from unrelated news events. While other clips in the trailer were taken at official royal events that a small group of accredited photographers had permission to attend. And if this is true, I cannot blame her at all by being bothered by this. I mean, that's ridiculously over the top when it comes to invasion of privacy. Even if she's dating or now married to a public figure, it's still, still no reason to just stalk the woman relentlessly. And they wonder why paparazzi give photographers a bad name. TT Artisan's 50mm f1.4 tilt lens now available for Canon RF, Fuji X, and Nikon Z. TT Artisan has announced that its 50mm f1.4 tilt lens, which was originally released for Sony E and Leica L mount two months ago, is now available for Fujifilm X, Canon RF, and Nikon Z mounts. The lens is designed to be used on both full-frame and crop sensor APS-C camera models where it has a 75mm equivalent focal length and features a design of seven elements arranged into six groups. That optical formula includes a high refractive index glass element that TT Artisan says will help control distortion and spherical aberration, which results in improved sharpness and more accurate rendering of images. There is an accompanying YouTube video that you can check out in this article in the show notes. 
As is the case with most tilt and tilt shift lenses, the TT Artisan 50mm f1.4 tilt lens is manual focus only and features a minimum focusing distance of 50 centimeters or about 19.7 inches. The click aperture ring provides a range of f2.8 through f16 via a 12-bladed diaphragm. The front filter size is 62 millimeters. The lens provides 8 degrees of tilt and can be rotated 90 degrees, which allows photographers to change the perspective of images to produce what T.T. Artisan describes as a Lilliput look. Lilliput describes the tiny people from the novel Gulliver's Travels and aptly describes how dramatic tilts on the lens make objects appear much smaller. Quote, there is no difference between the lens and a regular 50mm 1.4 when the tilt function is not used, TT Artisan says. That changes once the tilt feature is engaged. Quote, when taking pictures, we often encounter the need to only make some areas clear and other areas blurred. But using a tilt lens can meet this need without changing the aperture and making photos more artistic. TT Artisan says that it to make the lens more convenient for professional video productions, the lens has been optimized with a focus and aperture ring that are designed to fit most focus followers, and the gears mimic those found on cinema lenses. As mentioned, the TT Artisan 50mm f1.4 full-frame tilt lens was originally available for Sony E and Leica L mount, but has now been expanded to support Canon RF, Nikon Z, and Fujifilm X mounts. The lens is available for purchase from Pergear and costs $199 for any of the five mount options. So that's interesting. And I might be intrigued enough to pick up one of these for myself for my Fuji cameras. Uh, I've always owned tilt or tilt shift lenses when I shot Canon. I didn't use them all the time. It wasn't a lens I used constantly, but when I needed it, I was happy that I had it in my bag. So I might have to pick this one up, although I don't know, on a crop body with it being 75 millimeters, ah, that might not be wide enough for what I would use it for. I'll have to wait and think about that. I'll keep you posted if I decide to pick it up or not. Last up from Petapixel for this week, Clumsy Lion Cubs Tree Mishap Wins Comedy Wildlife Photo Awards. A three-month-old lion cub falling out of a tree in the Serengeti has won the 2022 Comedy Wildlife Photo Awards. Photographer Jennifer Hadley from Raleigh, United States, took home the top prize after she captured the adorable cub falling to get out of a tree, or failing to get out of a tree smoothly. Quote, it was probably his first time in a tree and his descent didn't go so well, she says. He was just fine, though, after landing on the ground, he got up and ran off with some other cubs. Hadley fought off fierce competition from 5,000 entries, and the organizers say it was the closest vote ever. She wins a safari trip to the Maasai Mara in Kenya, where she can continue shooting the wonderful creatures that live there. Hadley also bagged the Affinity Photo Two People's Choice Award with a hilarious photo of a Genju penguin apparently unhappy with its fellow bird. Quote, this was shot on the Falcon Island, she explains. These two Genju penguins were hanging out on the beach when one shook himself off and gave his mate the snub. Hadley didn't win every award. Jean-Jacques Clay Macon from France won the Air Award for his misleading photo of a hippo yawning, so it looked like it was about to eat a heron that was standing on the back of another hippo. Oh, wow. That's a cool shot. Uh, the Comedy Wildlife Photography Awards 
was co-founded in 2015 by professional photographers uh, Paul Joyce, uh, Joyce and Hicks, MBE, and Tom Solon, Solom, who wanted to create a competition that focused on the lighter humor side of wildlife photography, but also had an important role in promoting wildlife conservation at its heart. To that end, each year the competition supports a sustainable conservation organization. Over 29 years, it has channeled 20 million euros to more than 200 conservationists in 80 countries. In 2022, that is the Whitley Fund for Nature, a United Kingdom-based charity that supports conservation leaders working in their home countries across the global south. And I think that's fantastic. And there are some absolutely amazing images in here that you really should check out for yourself. And you can find this article in today's show notes. All right. Now we have a couple of stories from the world of Canon rumors for this week. Canon Cinema EOS C70 version 1.0.5.1 released. As promised, Canon has released a major firmware update for the Canon Cinema EOS C70 camera. One, the following features are enabled when the following lenses are attached. The CN 8x15, the IAS-S E1, the CN E20-50 millimeter T2.4 LF, and the CN E45-135 millimeter T2.4 LF. Displaying metadata such as the model name and the focal distance of the lens attached, displaying the T number, support for peripheral illumination correction and chromatic lens aberration correction, support for dual pixel CMOS AF autofocus for the CN 8x15 IAS SE1 only, support for dual pixel focus guide. Two, the following features are enabled when the following lenses are attached, the RFS 18-45, F45-63 ISSTM, the RFS 18-150, F35-63 ISSTM. Three, adds a menu to switch lens functions, focus ring, control ring, lens optical image stabilization. Four, adds support for Canon IP XC protocol. Five, enables SD recording in XFAVC 4K intra-setting frame rate of 50 to 60 frames per second. Six, enables eye detection. Seven, enables eye face detection and tracking when SNF shooting frame rate is set from 24 to 120 frames per second. Eight, adds support for 4CH display and audio meter, or 4-channel, that is. 9. Improves the retention of the recording settings on switching between normal shooting and SNF shooting. 10. Adds Canon 709BT.709 to the gamma color space and custom picture setting. 11. Adds CMT709 and LUT and proxy record color conversion. 12. Adds CMT709 and view assist. And 13. Adds G-gain and white balance in custom picture settings. You can download that firmware now from the official Canon site. So good to see the Canon is staying on top of firmware updates. Next, Canon has released version 1.7.0 update for both the Canon EOS R5 and R6. And on both cameras, it deals with the same things. The firmware includes the following fixes. One corrected the phenomenon that, on rare occasions, the camera would not operate normally while shooting a small subject. And two, fixed minor bugs. And you can download that firmware from the official Canon website and install it on your R5 or R6, which I highly recommend you do so that you get those latest bug fixes. 
And now over to Nikon rumors, Astra Hori 12 millimeter F2.8 fisheye and 18 millimeter F8 shift full frame lenses for Nikon Z mount announced. You can pre-order at Per Gear, Amazon US, Amazon DE, Amazon UK, and Amazon CA. Price at $256 with an all-metal construction. Angle of view is 185 degrees. Minimum focusing distance is 0.2 meters. Available for the Nikon Z, Fujifilm GFX, Leica L, Sony E, and Canon RF mounts. Now, as far as the 18mm F8 shift wide-angle lens... You can pre-order that at Per Gear, Amazon US, Amazon DE, Amazon UK, and Amazon CA. Price is 119. It features all-metal construction, weight of 164 grams. The angle of view is 99.2 degrees. And this lens is available for, available for Nikon Z, Leica L, Sony E, and Canon RF. And you can also check out the official Astro Hori Amazon store, which you can find in this article in today's show notes. More new upcoming Chinese lenses for Nikon cameras from Chikar, Astrohori, and Camlan. There are a bunch of new lenses coming up. The first one is the Chikar 35mm f1.4 Mark II lens for the Nikon Z mount. Astrohori, as I mentioned a moment ago, has the 18mm f8 shift lens for the Nikon Z mount. And they have an 85mm f1.8 AF lens for the Nikon Z mount. And Camlan has a 55mm f1.4 lens for the Nikon Z mount. You can check all these out in this article in today's show notes. And now we head on over to Fuji Rumors with Patrick. These are the, your top X and GFX camera wishes for 2023. And they are quite clear on what you want. I've looked at the results of your future X camera wish list and future GFX camera wish. Here they are and what they tell us. For the X series, one is the X Pro 4 with a 40 megapixel sensor. Next is an X100V with a 40 megapixel sensor. And three is the X Pro 4 with a 26 megapixel stacked sensor like the X-H2S. For GFX gear, one, the GFX 100R with 102 megapixel BSI stacked sensor. Two is the GFX 100T with 102 megapixel BSI stacked sensor, the XT style GFX concept. And three is the GFX 100S with 102 megapixel BSI stacked sensor. Conclusion for X-Series, there is a tendency to prefer more megapixels over more speed, and as a Fujifilm X-T5 owner myself, I can understand why. The X-T5 is plenty fast enough for most of us thanks to the brand new processor. Plus, the 40 megapixel sensor gives us the best dynamic range on any X-Series camera. But most importantly, the list is dominated by rangefinder cameras. So after a year full of DSLR-style cameras, the X-T5, X-H2, and X-H2S, people are hungry to see something happening on the rangefinder front, and I'm totally with you guys. Conclusions for the GFX series, Stack Sensor makes the top of the list, which means that contrary to the X-series, for the GFX series, people desire more speed rather than more resolution. Dear Fujifilm, we decided make these six X-mount lenses next. It's pure sadness. I mean, if you look at the current X-mount lens roadmap, it's just sadness with only one X-mount lens stoically standing all alone trying to keep up 
excited about, keep up excitement about the future. So we decided to help Fujifilm in gathering some ideas, and you guys dropped hundreds of lens suggestions for the future here, which I then summed up in 40 options to vote on here. Here are the results. Top six lenses overall, an XF23 F2 pancake, fan-made rendering is included, an XF 16 to 55 F2.8 Mark II, an XF 18 millimeter F2 MK2, an XF 12 millimeter F1.4, an XF 16 to 35 millimeter F2, and an XF 11 to 30 F2.8. There were really a lot of suggestions in the wide angle zoom range, so many that I decided to give two options to vote on, the XF 16 to 35 F2 and the XF 11 to 30 F2.8. But if we were to merger even those two lenses into one single lens, we would get something like the XF 14 to 30 F2. In that case, we would have the following result. The XF 14 to 30 F2, the XF 23 F2 Pancake, the F XF 16 to 55 Mark II, the XF 18 Mark II, the XF 12 1.4, and an XF 70 F2 with a fan-made rendering that you can see in this article in the show notes. Top six primes, an XF23 F2 Pancake, an XF18 F2 Mark II, an XF12 F1.4, an XF70 F2, an XF10 F2, an XF35 F1.2. Top six zooms, the XF16 to 55 F2.8 Mark II, the XF16 to 35 F2, the XF11 to 30 F2.8, the XF 16 to 70 F 2.8 to F 4, the XF 16 to 135 F 4, and the XF 18 to 55 2.8 to 4 Mark II. And if we were to merge the two lenses as we did above, we would get the XF 14 to 30 F 2, the XF 16 to 55 2.8 Mark II, the XF 16 to 70 F 2.8 F 4, the XF 16 to 135 F 4, the XF 18 to 55 F 2.8 to 4 Mark II, and the XF 23 to 55 F 2. Conclusions, wide-angle reality versus telephoto dreams. When you go around in forums, you often see people complaining about Fujifilm not offering enough long lenses. And to a certain degree, I agree with you, long primes especially are needed. But then there is the reality. And the reality is that the vast majority of Fujifilm shooters simply do not see long lenses as a priority. What they really want is the total opposite, more wide-angle zooms and primes. We have to be clear about this. Any of the lenses that made it to the top of the list in our survey would outsell by a large margin any long prime or zoom lens Fuji would launch. That's something Fujifilm knows and has openly declared. And yet there is at least one lens I feel Fujifilm must give us, the already patented XF uh, 14, uh, 400 millimeter F4, which made it in the top 15 of our list and fellow FR readers already made mock-ups of it. And it is consistently your top wish telephoto lens. So even though it did not make the list, I strongly advise Fujifilm to give us a long prime lens. That is interesting. So definitely some good lens ideas there. And I think I agree with most of them, not all of them. Uh, and there are a couple of them in there that I'd be interested in purchasing if Fuji did release them. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. And now on over to Sony Alpha Rumors to wrap up this week. Peak Design, 10% off site-wide until the end of today. 
Till Sunday, you can save 10% on all Peak Design products at the accompanying link in this article in the show notes. For more deals, you can go to B&H Photo with the PayBoo credit card. You not only get back the tax you pay on products, but now you save 5% on a ton of items sold on this special page. After Black Friday, the Samsung storage deals got a new price drop on Amazon. Also, the Sony headphone deals are still running. If you buy a minimum of two DxO products, you save 30% on everything. And last for this week, the Hi-Pi 3-in-1 tripod is now available for pre-order on Indiegogo. Now, this is a new travel tripod that another company has designed to be a direct competitor with the Peak Design travel tripod, which the Peak Design one is a beautiful design and it is extremely compact and it's made out of carbon fiber or you can get it in aluminum, but it's also super expensive. This company is looking to take on Peak Design head on by coming out with their three-in-one travel tripod with also a unique design to make it super compact, but their carbon fiber model is supposed to sell for about half the price of the Peak Design one. The Peak Design model runs about $700, and this company is looking to release theirs at a little over $300. So definitely some price savings there. And if this one does come to market at the $300 price point, I'll probably pick one up. I would love to have the Peak Design one. I own a bunch of their gear, but I just can't see spending $700 on a tripod because I don't use them enough to warrant that kind of expense. All right, and that wraps up all the news and rumors for this week. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 297 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, comment on them, like them, share them out on social media, and remember to hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. I have past five and a half thousand subscribers i would love to hit the ten thousand subscriber mark by the end of 2022 and that's all up to you so if you could be kind enough to share it out and recommend the channel to others friends family whoever i would greatly appreciate that it would be nice to hit the ten thousand goal by the end of this year but i'm not sure if it's going to happen because we only have a couple of weeks two or three weeks left till the end of 2022 all right and Make sure you are subscribed to the channel because later on today, I'll be posting my next unboxing and review video. And this one's going to be on the Fujifilm GF 35 to 70 telephoto lens. So make sure you check that out. 
All right. I will see you all again next Thursday.